Why We Work by Barry Schwartz. One sentence summary. Why We Work looks at the purpose of work in our lives by examining how different people view their work, what traits make work me feel meaningful, and which questions companies should ask to maximize the motivation of their employees. My favorite quote from the author is, 90% of adults spend half their waking lives doing things they would rather not be doing at places they would rather not be. Barry Schwartz. Why We Work is a little book meant to accompany one of Barry Schwartz's TED Talks, and it talks about what motivates us to get out of bed in the morning. The famous author of The Paradox of Choice argues that we use the wrong incentives and ask the wrong questions to lead those who make great products and services a reality. Whether you're an employee and want to find out if your employer is actually doing a good job at keeping you around, or a manager trying to improve your team's motivation, these lessons will help you understand the other party a bit more. Here are three lessons about the motivation, meaning and work. 1. Do you perceive your work as a job, career or a calling? 2. Autonomy, investment and emission are what keeps employees engaged and motivated. 3. A pay raise is one of the worst incentives for true motivation. Let's put the purpose back into work, shall we? I say, here we go. Why we work, lesson one. Ask yourself if you perceive your work as a job, career, or a calling. This answers the question, what's a good question I can ask myself to figure out if I should stay at my job? You've surely thought differently of your work at different times. In general, though, most of us land in one of three categories at any particular point in time. Category number one. Your work is a job. As the joke says, your job keeps you just over broke. J-O-B. It's a way to make money. You show up, do what you're told, but anything else is a stretch. Category number two. Your work is a career. You have prospects, you want to grow, make progress, get better, take on more responsibility, and you have a shot at moving up in your organization, which motivates you to give your best. And lastly, category number three. Your work is a calling. You know exactly how your work creates positive change in the lives of other people. It's not a compartment of your life, it's an essential part of it and makes you happy because you know you're doing the right thing. Of course, how you see your work depends a lot on who you work for and how that company communicates with you. A crucial part of perceiving your work as a calling, though, is connecting with the end users of your product. This way, you're repeatedly reminded of how exactly your work makes a difference which helps you move towards perspective number three from the list. Why we work, lesson two. Autonomy, investment and emission are what keeps employees engaged and motivated. This answers the question, which three traits keep us motivated at work? Similar to the results Daniel Pink found when investigating motivation in Drive, Schwartz made out three factors which keep a business running well by keeping people motivated. Factor number one, autonomy. Giving people control and the power to make decisions makes them feel trusted, helps them commit to moving the company forward and instills a sense of respect for coworkers and managers in them. Autonomy lets you be proud of what you do and there's hardly anything more motivating than that. Factor number two, investment. Daniel Pink calls this mastery. People should feel like every hour of their work is valuable and that their role is needed. 
helping employees develop their skills by sending them to conferences and training them with seminars will achieve just that. And factor number three, mission. The company's mission must be clear to every single employee at all times. A single sentence should do. The more you're aware of how you're changing the world, the more likely you are to actually give a damn about it. Sadly, these three factors are what most companies cut back on first in a crisis, which is exactly the wrong thing to do. If you control people more, train them less and forget about why you're here, you'll sap their motivation and the company will end up performing even worse. Instead, increase these three wherever and whenever you can, especially when shit hits the fan. Why we work lesson three. Raises are crappy incentives to actually motivate people. This answers the question, is money a good motivator? Whether you've learned this firsthand already or not, more money is a really bad motivation to do stuff. Take this example highlighted in Freakonomics, which Schwartz also talks about. In a variety of children's daycare centers in Haifa, Israel, people tended to show up super late to pick up their kids. Nobody ever stuck to the 4 p.m. rule. Every week there were 8 late pickups per center, on average. Supervisors then introduced a fine. Every parent who was more than 10 minutes late would have to pay $3 for each child each time they missed the deadline. This charge would be added to their $380 per month bill. Guess what happened? Late pickups more than doubled, shooting to 20 late pickups per week. That's because, one, the fine wasn't high enough and people didn't care about a less than 1% increase of their monthly bill. And two, instead of feeling like an immoral bad parent, they could just buy their way out of the guilt of showing late. It's easy to justify working with shitty colleagues, throwing others under the bus and sacrificing your health for those 10k extra next year, but the more raises you get, the more you'll see they don't really make you happier. My personal takeaways from why we work for 2017. <clears throat> Okay, I have add-ons for each of the lessons because I have some cool examples I just stumbled across over the past two, three weeks, I guess. So for the first one, do you see your job as a, do, do you see your work as a job, career, or a calling? There's a great example. It's from the book Grit by Angela Duckworth, which I've already summarized. I'm not sure if I have the audio yet. You'll have to look it up. But anyway, the book's called Grit, Angela Duckworth. Um, and she has a great example in her book. And it's a story... It makes rounds online and stuff. It's old. Um, it's the story of the three bricklayers. So uh, people who, you know, like they take bricks and they lay them building walls and stuff like that. So there are three bricklayers and they are building a cathedral. And a person walks by and asks the three bricklayers what they're doing. So when, when the person asks the first bricklayer, what are you doing? That bricklayer says, I'm laying bricks. Okay, and then the person asks the second bricklayer, what are you doing? And the second bricklayer says, I'm building a church. And then when she goes to the third person, third bricklayer, and asks him, what are you doing? He says, I'm building the house of God. And in that case, the first bricklayer has a job, the second one has a career, and the third one has a calling right? It's just because they view their work differently. The first bricklayer is all about, yeah, I'm just laying these bricks, right? That's like a, it's a stupid thing. I'm doing it. I'm getting money. I'm going home. The second one sees the bigger picture, right? He's building like a wall of a cathedral. So it's an essential part of a cathedral, which is something big. 
but that's just what the house is called right so that's a bigger end result that he's working towards but it's still not on the same level as the third one who says this i'm building the house of god because he connects his work to what the building eventually will stand for and what the building will eventually accomplish which is to allow people to go to mass and have a service and practice their religion so that's the difference between a job, a career, and a calling. And I really like this story because with that, you can remember it pretty easily. For the three factors, um, autonomy, investment, and mission, um, when you understand those or when you look at those, you will instantly understand why I love side projects so much, why I talk so much about side projects and passion projects, um, and why I've recently written a, a, a post on the blog about it. Because side projects or things you do outside of work, um, if you have a 9-to-5 job, all give you these exact three traits, right? You get the autonomy because it's your side project, it's your thing, you can do whatever the hell you want with it. Um, you're invested in it, you have to learn to get better. Uh, you, you are of, Since you're the only person building it, you're obviously needed there, right? Uh, it trains your skills, you have to learn new things, you have to keep learning, keep growing, because you have that's what it takes to make a side project your success. And lastly, the mission is absolutely clear to you because you chose this thing for a very specific reason. It's like, so if you, I don't know, like if you sell uh, fruit salad on your weekends, that's probably because you really like fruit salad and you want people, you care about people eating more fruit. Or if you write a blog, you probably care about writing something that connects with people and helping people make a positive change in their lives so you know the mission of what you're doing with a side project because that's the reason you came up with it so that's why i really love side projects and i would highly encourage you if you don't have one start one and lastly raises are a crappy incentive to actually motivate people this is 100 percent true and i would like to tell you how or one situation where i specifically learned this um or actually two scenarios the first one was when I was doing my internship at BMW, there was no uh, minimum wage yet. Now we have it in Germany. Um, there was no minimum wage. And so as a bachelor, soon to graduate kind of category guy, I got initially, I think something like 600 bucks a month, right? Which is before taxes. So and then taxes would go out. And then my apartment via BMW, which was already cheap for Munich, cost like 400. That went out. And then I had to pay another 70 or so for my ticket for public transport. And then so I got like 520. And then there was like 470 went off. And I was left with like 50 bucks. Uh, and so that wasn't even enough to live on, right? And so the and then in between they had a because it's regulated by the union um, they had a round and they raised the, the all the wages and then I got like I want to say like six fifty right and then in the end I got like forty bucks a month more did I care about those forty bucks hell no I got I I I enjoyed the work I did my best I did I did the best I could do and I haven't changed a single thing about how I work from that from that petty race okay so you might say that's a small race okay good fine um second example is the first year i started uh, blogging and everything and freelancing and so on i worked for a tax consultant for 15 dollars 15 euros an hour right that was like my starting salary and in the end of the at the end of the year with all the contracts and everything i had and the sites and so on i made say twenty five thousand dollars um and the second year, 2016, I also made somewhere around $25,000. Uh, 
but the huge shift was the second year felt a tons better because what happened was that I took all the contracting work where I was paid be, being paid like $15 an hour or like shitty hourly prices and I pushed all that time to four minute books and then the site made something like $10,000 over the year and so half of almost half of of the income total for the year I made came from this project instead of me selling my time to people I didn't want to work for right so I got zero raises that year I made the same amount of money but I felt a thousand times better because I was making the money on my own terms so just some examples to highlight and also highlight again why I love side projects so much because if they eventually pay your bills you'll be really freaking happy um I really, I really hope you'll watch this TED talk. It's uh, if you go to the TED website and you go to Barry Schwartz, it's not his "The Paradox of Choice" one. It's about work. You'll find it. This is a little book to go along with it. Um, really enjoyed it. Hope you like this summary, and I hope you will enjoy your work at the at the very least very soon. See ya.